Legend, history, memory. Stories form the fabric of life itself. We pull threads to make sense of our perceptions. I'm Tristan Crocker. This is That's Telling. Episode 6, When the Deal Goes Down. There's a famous idiom about the certainty of death and taxes. While some consider taxes negotiable, the death part is undoubtedly true. Shortly before his death, Leonard Cohen said, Putting your house in order, if you can do it, is one of the most comforting activities, and the benefits of it are incalculable. Many in the funeral industry would agree. The world of the funeral director is one in which a calm and professionally dressed person navigates and steers strangers through what can be the most bizarre, heartbreaking, and decidedly tumultuous time a person can experience, this being the death of someone they know. But like any landmark moment in a life, it is also full of a multiplicity of perspectives and an existential humor unmatched by most other shared experiences. I can't give you an exact statistic I'd be guessing, but I'm going to say that probably about 20% of deaths, um, people don't have any formal service or acknowledgement of the person's death. And I, I think that's detrimental to a family. This is Peter Walton, who works as a funeral director in southern Ontario. Usually most funeral directors get great satisfaction out of the fact that they can help people through a period in their life that that uh, they need help and they can't necessarily do it themselves. As, as far as training is concerned, um, first of all, you have to uh, be a graduate of the uh, uh, high school graduate minimum. Uh, then you have to register at Humber College and you go to school for nine months um, full-time, and you intern for 15 months um, uh, to complete a 24-month period, Um, and then you write government exams, you do a practical exam uh, by embalming a body, and, uh, and then you are granted your your license. Um, so that's basically the training that you you have. Customs in this part of the world have changed over the decades. Once the majority of bodies were buried and a small minority cremated. Now this is reversed. When I started in the business, uh, I was I was 18 as an apprentice at the time. And uh, the, 
ratio of cremation to interments was less than 1%. Well, now it's about 65%. So that's that's really changed dramatically. The funeral home looks after the immediate needs of doing something with a body that has died. Uh, when a person dies, they, they have to be transported from the place of death, whether that be in a hospital or a, a nursing home or their residence. They have to be taken from there somehow. And then there's some some uh, legal things that have to be done. Every death has to be registered. And, uh, and then you have to do something with the body. You either have to uh, bury it or have it cremated. And most people, like I would say the majority of, the, the largest majority of people, do want to have some form of a service. Um, I'm a great believer in the fact that people are going to go through a grieving process. And to do that, they need to acknowledge a life lived. Um, the, the, if they just take the body and cremate it and do nothing, it will take them twice as long to go through the grieving process. Whether people are willing to admit that or not, that's a fact. So, It isn't often that someone's job so directly comes into contact with people's personal lives. Well, oh, you know, um, when a family... After everything is over, they come back and they say to me, you know, we, we want to thank you for helping us through this. Um, that gives me great satisfaction. I, I am a true believer in the fact that not only the people have to acknowledge the death, they, they need to see the body once, at least once after the death has taken place. They, they, for whatever reasons, they have to be able to acknowledge that the person is gone. If if they are just told that mother, father, brother, sister, husband, wife has died and they don't see the body, there will always be that unanswered question. Part of the job of the funeral director is to give a person's friends and family, and I suppose anyone else who knew them, a final physical memory of their life. What they see at the funeral home will be much nicer than what they saw at the place of death. The, the very last moment of a person's life is not always the nicest. If they can see the person after the funeral director has dressed the person and at least, they don't have to be embalmed, but at least the funeral home has made the person look better. It is a much better last impression. In actual fact, it, it's a pretty simple surgical operation. To embalm a body, in, in reality, what you're doing is removing 
the blood from the person's body because the blood is the agent that causes putrefaction to take place. And uh, you want to eliminate the blood um, to stop that process. The funeral director makes a small incision in the base of the neck where the shoulder and the neck join. Here, the carotid artery and the jugular vein are close to the surface. So he raises the carotid artery and the funeral doctor will inject embalming fluid um, into the arterial system and he starts the whole system moving again. And then he opens the jugular vein and the embalming fluid sort of pushes the, the blood out. That's a very simplified explanation. But um, the, the embalmer or the funeral director will inject about two gallons of embalming fluid. Embalming fluid is a formaldehyde-based preservative. It goes through the same process as the nutrients in your, in your body when you eat food your body extracts the nutrients from the food and and they go from your arteries into your arterioles into the capillaries and then the the waste from your body goes from the capillaries into the venules into the veins and and is eliminated from the body well the same process takes place with the embalming fluid and and that's how the body's preserved so it's a uh, it sounds complicated, but it, it's not that difficult a system. First of all, the funeral director has to have permission from the family to embalm a body. He can't, he can't just do it without their permission. And so that's number one. And, and the family provide the funeral director with, with clothing to dress the person. And, um, and, and he, he does. Most funeral homes will not put a body on display for viewing unless it has been embalmed. And they do that for a variety of reasons. Number one is sanitary and health reasons. Um, and number two, um, they don't want to put a body on display or, or viewing for anybody unless it is presentable. And if it's not embalmed, um, it's really not going to be presentable for very long. How does the timeline play out when people choose not to be embalmed? When, when we are burying people, the biggest majority of interments, uh, the body is embalmed. Um, but if... Um, uh, a lot depends on the, the condition uh, of the atmosphere. If we're talking about a summer, uh, a July death, it's pretty hot. And, and, and you don't want to leave a body unprepared for very long because it will, it will change very quickly. If, if it's in the wintertime, well, um, there isn't the humidity and all the rest. And so things won't change quite as quickly, but you still don't want to wait around. Um, hospitals have refrigeration. Funeral homes don't. 
still, but a funeral home has a, a holding room or a preparation room, which is no different than an operating room in a hospital. Um, you know, they, they need a, a table to put the body on um, uh, because regardless of whether a person is being embalmed or not embalmed, it, it must be kept somewhere until it can be placed in a, a casket or, or a container of some kind. There are two forms of disposition for the body. One is interment or burial in the ground, and the other is cremation. Um, the difference with cremation is if people want to have the body present for the funeral and then cremate, that's fine. But if they want, they can cremate the body first and then have a funeral service with just the cremated remains present. And the advantage they have then is they, they don't have to have the service in a big hurry. Most cemeteries have a mausoleum where the ashes of the dead are kept in a wall, in individual spaces known as niches. I compare those to an apartment building <laughs> because you, you have niches that are, you know, one on top of the other, and they may be five or six rows high, and they might be 20 wide. And, you know, it, it, they're all together in a wall. So they're, they're, they're normally 13 inches cubed so that you can, you can get a standard-sized urn in there. Usually you can get two if, if the shape is, is correct. If the mausoleum is like an apartment building, does that mean there's better real estate? Well, believe it or not, there is. Um, they, they charge more for the, the ones that are in the middle at eye level. They charge less for the ones that are on the bottom. Um, they charge a little more for the top one than they do for the bottom one, but less for the top one than they do for the middle one. A very unusual business. It it goes on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because people call funeral doctors as soon as the death occurs. You know, there there are not office hours, if you will. But people, if if a person is is ill, sometimes, well, not sometimes, most times, they are taken to the hospital to try and get better or to be treated in some way. And, and so they go from home to the hospital for treatment and they die there. Um, lots of times, if a person dies at home, the ambulance, if the ambulance gets there and the person is already dead, the ambulance will not transport them. So that's when the, the funeral home gets called to come and transport the body. And, and we get called frequently to the scene. Um, for instance, that huge um, truck fire that occurred on 400. 
um, those bodies were moved by funeral homes from the scene, not by ambulance or anything else. Uh, well, I'll tell you that the Janet funeral home moved one of them, and that that accident occurred at 11.30 at night, and they didn't move those bodies until 6 o'clock the next evening. But that was just because they, they had to um, investigate the scene and, you know, wait for for everything to, to cool down before they could actually get in. Um, it's an awful thing to say, but there have been, uh, there are some frequently very funny things that occur. I, I was involved in one many years ago, and there was a tractor trailer um, transporting chickens, hundreds of them. And the tractor trailer had a head-on collision with a pickup truck. It killed the driver of the pickup truck instantly. And there was a driver and a passenger in the tractor trailer. And the passenger, in actual fact, was sleeping in the bunk behind the driver. And the truck rolled on its side and slid down the highway a couple hundred yards. And the driver got out, but the, the passenger in the bunk was burned to death. We were called to go and move this fellow, and by the time we got there, there were hundreds of chickens everywhere. Like there was chickens running all over the place. You know, you find out things about people that um, you would never know, and uh, unusual circumstances, you become aware of them. Um, uh, oh, I was I was very young in the funeral business at the time, and a um, a man in his forties um, died of a sudden heart attack, and um, he was in real good shape, like he was just you know a pristine example of of uh, physical fitness. His wife came into Mayfield Arrangements, and she was probably 20 years younger than him, and she was stunning, and um, she arranged his funeral. A few hours later, the funeral home was contacted by another woman, a different woman, but also apparently his wife, looking to arrange a funeral. And he had been living a double life, and he had a wife in Toronto and another wife in Montreal. And, and they were both much younger than him. Oh, they were both at the funeral. It was like an armed camp, you know. And uh, so, um, you know, the strange stories that um, uh, you, you find out about people that are just right out of this world. And, and as I often said to my wife, I couldn't make these up. <laughs> you know, nobody would believe what, what's going on. I am of the opinion that, in general, people need to change their perspective on death. Yet sensitivity in the moment can make this a hard thing to address. Well, that's not easy to, to think that way when, when uh, your mother 
or your your wife um, dies, you know. Um, but uh, it it is true. Uh, we're born and we die, and hopefully we live a long and healthy life in between. But um, it's it, it's it's a fact, and you know. Um, one thing that makes it easier for the field director is he's most times not personally involved. People have often said to me, how do you do that type of work? Does it, is it not depressing? And, or what do you do when you have children in, which is not very nice? And I've often said, well, it's such a small segment of the business. And if you can find me a job that is the perfect job, I'll quit this one and do that. So no matter what you do, every occupation has a downside to it. And and so us dealing with with accident victims or young people or, or suicides, um, those are the downside. And 95 to 199% are just ordinary people that have lived a full life and die a natural death. A funeral director really does the same thing as a wedding organizer, except the funeral director does it in 72 hours. But the funeral director looks after the legalities of it. He does all the necessary registration. Um, he looks after the, the venue as to where it's going to be. Um, frequently, he looks after the reception that is following. Um, he does all of these things he looks after the, the flowers and, and all the rest and um, so that's what people are paying for they're paying for his ability to bring things together and organize them and have it done efficiently it must be said like any definite necessity the funeral business has pretty good job security well that that's true. That's true. I've I've uh, I've never been out of work. That's telling is written and created by Tristan Crocker. That's me. All of the music heard throughout the show is by Paul Crocker. Thank you to my guest, Funeral Director Peter Walton. If you live in or around the Guelph, Ontario area, That's Telling can be heard every Wednesday at 2 on CFRU 93.3 FM and streamed live at CFRU.ca.